All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here today. It's actually been a little bit since we've done a Boca Podcast live stream. It was before the new year, so this naturally would be the first Boca Podcast episode for the new year. Happy New Year to you. And um, I, we actually have a really interesting guest coming up here in just a minute. I'll introduce Gary. Uh, but before I do, I just want to remind everybody who might be live streaming today, don't be shy. Jump in, ask questions. You can comment on the conversation at hand. Be part of the discussion. That's one of the benefits of these live streams. And I definitely want you to take advantage of that. Of course, for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, uh, make sure that you follow us at Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast on Instagram so that uh, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule. And we post that there every week so you can come be part of the conversation. All right. Well, enough of the introduction. I want to, speaking of introductions, I want to actually introduce our brand new guest for today. Gary Pope is here. Gary, thank you so much for making time to, to come do the show with me. Hey, Nathan. Yeah, glad to be here. Well, and we're going to actually, um, I, I have to tell you, Gary, I mean, I, I know I said it in the intro. Um, I'm genuinely excited about this conversation today. I was talking with Jill, who produces our show um, just yesterday, actually. I was like, I am excited for this, this conversation, for this episode. We talk a lot about brand position and the significance of brand positioning, creating ultimately a niche, which of course is what we're going to be talking about today that enables us to stand out above the, the mass of photographers out there, the thousands of, of photographers that are out there. And you are an incredible demonstration of doing just that. And so I'm, I'm going to naturally just kind of geek out, nerd out with you today. Oh, that's perfect. That's uh, exactly down my line of uh, brand too, is geeking stuff. So <laughs> geeky stuff. So um, yeah, totally down for that. Well, and, and I have to, on that note, actually, I have to bring up your, your Instagram. So for everybody listening in, um, I'm going to jump over here. In fact, while we've got it up here, uh, I'll go ahead and mention Gary's website is Love Long and Prosper Photography. Or excuse me, is, yeah, there we go. Yeah, Love Long and Prosper Photography dot com. Uh, we've got the website up there on screen for anybody who might be live streaming or watching the replay. And then same thing on Instagram, Love Long and Prosper Photography. And speaking of geeking out, um, it, I love that in your profile you actually say Connecticut's geeky wedding photographer. Talk to me a little bit about that that brand position. Yeah, so um, if it isn't obvious by the name and stuff like that, I am a geeky wedding photographer. <laughs> um, uh, pretty much uh, uh, it all started when I was just like, oh, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do a wedding for one of my geeky friends. He's a board gamer. And uh, after working with him, I was just like, yeah, I love working with geeks. So then I was like, hey, you know what? Are there any geeky photographers? Is that even a thing? Can I even Google search that? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, after doing a little bit, no joke, I was actually probably investigating this for like two, three months, trying to see if this mm -hmm. is a good idea and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, this actually does seem like a very good spot way to position myself and stuff. And not only that, it's down my line. It's the perfect people I love working with. Um, so I decided to go ahead and just become a geeky wedding photographer. So I just specialize in that. I love it. You just ran with it. You owned it. And I also like that you speak about how you spent time researching this. This is, again, another thing that we talk about on the podcast that when we when we talk about positioning ourselves as a brand and which, of course, ultimately enables us ideally to stand out above the crowd amongst the, the mass of photographers. One of the things that we have to do to, to pick that brand position that enables us to stand out is to look around us, look at the market around us and see where the opportunity lies. I think a lot of photographers, Gary, and, and maybe you've seen this as well, a lot of photographers will just kind of pick a cute tagline of some kind. They try to be catchy yeah. and creative and whatever. But the reality is most of those words don't hold a whole lot of meaning to the potential client. And it also does little to nothing to actually position that photographer amongst their marketplace, right? Yeah, that's a thousand percent true. And I am a, uh, uh, I've done this myself <laughs> with my first brand. It was literally GDA weddings and okay. GDA weddings st stood for Gary does a lot of weddings and <laughs> so, worst name ever. <laughs> Whenever people would ask, they'll be like, Oh, what's your name? Like GWA weddings or whatever. I'm like, no, it's GDA yeah. weddings. And then they're just like, Oh, what does that mean? I'm just like, Oh, Gary does a lot of weddings. And they're just like, all right, that's nice. Like, all right. And, and, and the thing is that like, because, of that example of what I used to do, I noticed how bad that was. And I also kind of noticed that a lot of other photographers fall in that exact same trap where they're just like, um, like for example, um, I'm not gonna say an exact specific name of a business or anything like that, but another photographer was talking about their brand name uh, the other day on Facebook. And I'm just gonna make this up, but it was something like, let's just call it like Chihuahua Photography. 
embarrassing. Okay. Whatever. Okay. And um, I was just like, yeah, so you shouldn't name your company that. Like, are you working with dogs or something? And they were just like, no, I just like Chihuahuas. And I'm just mm. like, but how am I supposed to know that? <laughs> like, right. So it doesn't it doesn't matter what you like. You should target, uh, make your name and your brand and stuff like that targeted around who the people you want to actually get. Um, that's it. So that's when um when I put two and two together with that myself and realized how uh, bad my original uh, company name was and stuff. Uh, that's what uh, struck me up to get started with to go ahead and rebrand and everything. Okay. Well, I told you that we might get into some a, a tangent or two during our conversation. <laughs> I have to at least take this tangent for a second and ask you mm -hmm. about this because it's on your website as well. You're talking about being a you know self-proclaimed geek, and certainly I am as well. But you had a YouTube, or maybe still do, have a YouTube channel that at least in part centered around board gaming. And yep. when I when I look at the YouTube world, and I'm very active on YouTube, both as a consumer and in creating content, but when I look at the YouTube world, gaming, as we would normally consider it, is electronic gaming. I didn't even realize board gaming was a thing, like, as a type of content on YouTube. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, it totally is. It's okay. <laughs> Everyone gets surprised by this, but just to put it, give it some perspective, before I started getting heavily in photography, I got married and I had to like downsize my stuff because I was no longer a bachelor with, <laughs> with a ton of space. Right. Um, uh, I used to have about 700, 800 board games. And wow. that wasn't, and that is like for people that collect board games and play a lot of board games, that's considered kind of average. <laughs> I had friends that like had literally a thousand or two board games. Oh my. Uh, you could walk into their apartment or their house and it'll take up like three walls. Like that, that is totally normal to see um, in the board gaming space. Uh, but yeah, there's conventions, thousands and thousands. I've been to conventions with about 40, 50,000 people at it. Um, wow. I've done panels at them and stuff like that. Uh, it's a it's a legit industry <laughs> that is uh, thriving actually, which yeah. is a funny thing. Well, it wasn't so much that I didn't realize that board gaming itself was an industry as much as the idea of playing board games on camera. That that was the thing that I was totally oblivious about. And I was just like, wow, I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. That That's really cool. And, and you know, speaking of niche, I mean, certainly niche. I, I know that it represents ultimately in that community a very large number of people. But to the average, everyday, occasional board game player, most people probably wouldn't realize that that's actually that big of an industry and, and that much of a niche. Yeah, it actually the funny thing about it is, is that actually tying back into photography, this, uh, that YouTube channel was actually my first foray into hyper niching down and like getting really deep into things. Because, uh, for example, in the board game space, no joke, 99% of YouTubers, what they do is, is that they'll uh, do reviews. They'll just say, hey, we're talking about this board game today. Here's how you play it. Here's my take on it great see you next time yeah. and that's literally the entire channel that's what they do for every single video they have hundreds of videos up and they don't get too much traction because it's the same as everyone else in that space and uh what i was like doing i was like hey you know what uh, if i'm going to start doing a youtube channel i want to do something different so my entire take on doing youtube was giving advice and it was just like hmm. in the uh space of like let's say hi like because a problem that a lot of people board gamers have is like hey how do i find people to play with um how do i organize events how do i organize game nights where do mm -hmm. i find these players um and all those things uh, even down to like hey this really big box of stuff how do i put it into a smaller box <laughs> um, like little dumb things like that and i made sure. my entire youtube channel based off of that so in that space i my channel grew to like a good thousand subscribers within like four or five months or something like that, which okay. no joke. Like there's other people that have been doing YouTube board games for years and they're just like happy to get to a hundred. And yeah. I'm just like, and I'm a, I got to a thousand within like a few months. So that was like kind of my first foray into like realizing like, Oh, niching down and actually standing out and being different mm -hmm. helps a lot. <laughs> so it does, but I'm so glad that you bring that up because it's a, it's a great segue into our conversation today. We are going to talk about how to go about this process of hyper niching and I want to get to your kind of rebranding story here in just a second, but I love that you, again, highlight the importance of awareness. So there's research, which then leads to awareness of what's going on in the marketplace. Because again, a lot of photographers, many, if not most, even in our industry, if you look around, just do a quick Google search, whatever marketplace, and you look at the photographers, there is a tendency to look around and not do something different, but instead to actually essentially copy paste, right? We're using the same website templates, the photography style, the Lightroom presets, the same gear. We're shooting the same way. We're saying the, the same, same things. Copy. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's and it and it's kind of mind numbing from an analytical standpoint, obviously I, I realize, but um, when it comes to the actual client experience, what we have to think about 
is that the client is scrolling through and looking at these different photographers' websites, and when everything just kind of runs together because it looks and sounds the same, we are not helping ourselves in any way, shape, or form to build a business more effectively. So seeing what everybody else is doing and going a different direction the way that you did with that gaming channel is exactly what we need to be doing as business owners. I'm really, really glad that you highlight that. Of course, we're going to dig into this in more detail. So let's get to, before you actually hyper-niched into being Connecticut's geeky wedding photographer, um, you went through this rebranding process. What were you before and how did that, what did that transition, that rebranding look like? So what I was before was I was a general photographer and uh, not general i was a, at first initially a general photographer that company name was gary does a lot and i just did photography marketing web design whatever i was a sure. hyper generalist extreme generalist yeah. and then i was like hey i actually am the best at doing photography in this situation so that's why i rebranded to gda weddings um and that was when i was just doing just weddings and that was it and in that situation i was still not that different in the wedding space because all i was was mm. just a generic photographer uh i would and i was also doing the biggest mistake that uh, so many photographers do where it's like, hey, I'm going to market towards the luxury clientele and I'm going to put the words luxury on my website and everything I'm going to do is going to try to look lush and luxurious and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's not a good idea. So Well, and um, add some context, context to that, if you will, because that's an mm -hmm. interesting statement that I'm not actually sure that I've heard any photographers say on in 600 plus episodes. Why is that a bad idea to automatically kind of move in that direction and, and make those types of statements? Because the term luxury is actually not the term, but like the, the word luxury is hyper generalistic. It's like there there is no specific luxury person there's no person who's walking around with like bags of money falling out of their pockets and all this other stuff and they're just like hey i'm luxury and that's what i am there's no one that is that person okay. so when you're saying hey i am a luxury photographer it's kind of hard to actually portray that say that and also express that unless if you're literally sitting there and you have photos with like i was getting ready to say kanye west but i'll be a horrible example nowadays but like if he was like <laughs> but if he was like taking photos of like the kardashians or like uh i don't know even like the rock or something like that then yeah fine use the word luxury on your site because you're clearly taking photos of what most people would know and classify as luxury clients but anything short of that it, like, what does that mean? What does that portray? And the average person that looks at your site and looks at that wording and stuff, they're going to be like, oh, am I a luxury person? And 99.999% of people are never going to classify themselves as that. Hmm. So that's where it becomes a problem. And it becomes um, awkward in a sense. I, and, it, and not only that, it's one of those things where it almost seems desperate. It's like it's almost kind of like in it. it I'm not saying that to offend anyone or anything like that, but it's like sure. it's like imagine like if you're like. If you're walking around and you're just like, hey, I drive a Porsche or in or and I have like 50 cars in my garage and it's just like, all right, cool. <laughs> Instead of just being like, I'm perfect for this specific sort of person and mm. this like and then like in portraying it. Like if you say Instead of like saying like I'm a luxury photographer, instead you could be like, "Hey, I'm perfect for your uh, folks that own yachts," and then you could explain the exact problems that uh. portray in yachts and everything. Saying, "Hey, I got all my gear is waterproof. Uh, I, I'm a lifeguard, so like if anyone falls in the water, I can hop in and save them. Uh, I have the perfect gear that's small and compact that I can fit on boats. I have things like strapped down to parts of yachts and stuff like that. Um, I even have my own license, so if you need someone to drive the boat out there, we don't have to find someone like that." That's portraying luxury at that point. Hmm. Anything like when you're just saying I'm a luxury photographer, that's not doing it. It's hmm. just it's not it's not solving any problems. It's not um, uh, being specific enough. Specific. And, and you use that word earlier, too. And I think it's a great word. Luxury. But part of the issue with that word is that it is overused. You see a lot of photographers using it one. Um, and and because it's overused, it waters the meaning down. It's like saying I offer quality photographic services, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> I mean, yes. And you know, like yes. everybody uses that word. So it, it carries little to no meaning anymore. And unless, unless there's literally nobody else in the marketplace in your marketplace, that's using that word. It's, it's definitely not specific enough. Um, so that again is a natural segue to my next question. When we talk about this idea of hyper niching, what does that mean? Like if you were to define that in a sentence for the, the photographers listening in, how would you define it? Uh, so specifically for our um, uh, type of business, the best way I could describe it is, is that so niching down is the simple act, in my opinion, of picking a type of photography you're going to do, whether it's real estate photography, uh, newborns, maternity, family, 
uh, and in our, obviously in our case, wedding, well, in my case, wedding photography, um, that's picking a niche. Hyper niching is going deeper down that route. Like in my situation, I said, I'm a geeky wedding photographer. You can be say also, I am an, uh, also as a heads up, when it comes to hyper niching, uh, uh, hyper niching, not all niches are considered in my quote unquote to me, uh, too broad. There's some like underwater photography. That's a very untapped niche, to, mm. in my opinion, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of photographers do that. So right. that's actually a good brand, a good brand way to go down. Where it's like, I'm only going to do that. I don't need to do geeky underwater photography <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. But anyways, going back to hyper niching, that's when you're doing something even more specific. Um, that's saying like, uh, uh, let's say hypothetically for um, newborn photos, it's like I am a uh, 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 professional. Uh, uh, my specialty is working with professional uh, f uh, people that are very busy uh, uh, in doing newborn photos for them. Uh, and then you can say like, okay, how does that hyper niche work in that situation? Well, I have in a situation where I have a uh, licenses, I have the space available and I have the assistants that also have licenses uh, and all the uh, uh, certifications that I need to literally, you could drop off your baby and leave them there for the day. <laughs> and I'll take your the photos at some point. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that there's a specific market that would definitely buy that, right. but it's just an idea and a concept where it's yep. like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I could kind of imagine that if someone has a super busy schedule, mm -hmm. if they want to schedule something out with you, they got to book it out like three, four months ahead of time and stuff like that. But if you make it easy for them and say, hey, you don't even have to be here. Just drop off your baby and I'll watch baby for the day. It'll count as daycare. <laughs> and I have all the licenses and everything to do it. Sure, They'll sure, be sure. like, oh, okay, I can see how that works for that person. So that's when it gets to the point where you're hyper-niching, you're picking a very specific person mm -hmm. that you're uh, perfect for at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah, when I, I, we talk a lot about brand position on the podcast and, and two of the ways that I suggest photographers look for an opportunity to position themselves uniquely. One is to offer a variation on a service like you were talking about. So the example I always give is black and white wedding photography for Chattanooga couples, right? So I would only offer wedding photography in black and white. Uh, of course, I have to make sure there's enough of a market opportunity to do that or maybe expand my market in order to to accommodate it. But that would be an example of a variation on a service. Or to your point, it's a really cool idea, actually. Lifestyle baby portraits for busy business people or you know something to that effect. Um, and, and you literally, it's not just about the pictures. It's also about the experience. And so the, the whole experience actually backs up that brand position and that distinct brand position at that. Uh, I think that's a great it, it, example. Can I, it, can I actually touch on one thing that you mentioned? Please. Yeah. Um, uh, when you mentioned that, like, uh, hi, uh, uh, focusing on, like, black and white photography specifically, that is something that a lot of photographers do. And in my opinion, I don't feel like that's strong enough nowadays. Okay. Um, because, like, if there's, like, one and, – and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, especially sure. – um, it, it definitely it definitely is a good start, like, good point to do. But um, one of the problems I see with it is, like, for example, I was literally – I see this all the time. Um, there'll be some extremely famous photographer um, uh, that's like known in like other states. Like I'm in Connecticut. I'll hear about photographers from like Florida, um, California, North Carolina and all these other places. And what I see is I'll see someone post in local Facebook groups saying, hey, this photographer in Florida, does anyone shoot photos like them? And you'll get 50 comments on that uh, post in a minute. And, and I'll be honest, I will honestly look through that entire post to see who honestly actually is close to that style. And I will see a solid five or six people minimum, like usually whenever I see that. Right. And I'll, it's like, oh, they would could actually hire this person. It will actually get probably the same quality photos. So that's when I think that's it's not as strong because style, I'm not saying it could be exactly copied. But style in 2023 isn't as unique as it was 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago or so. Mm. It's one of those things where it's like there's a lot of people that teach photography. There's a lot of presets that are being sold. So there's a lot of people that are able to do similar things as one another, which is yeah. why I think the next move should be doing a specific service because that's at least an untapped market nowadays. I don't see – I don't run around and see people specializing in tattoo photography or like mm. – um, or like the business people want, or like geeks like I do, or anything like that. I don't see that. So that's not something where I can see someone in Florida being uh, saying, it's like, hey, can someone, does anyone do geeky wedding photography, like love long process photography? There might be like one, maybe two that say like, hey, I'm a geek, but they're not like specialized in it. So right. anyways, yeah. So it, it, 
what it seems to be though, from at least from your perspective, it sounds like the focus is more on the target client or potential client versus, well, I guess it's both and. So the, the service yeah. certainly, but then, but looking at the target client in particular, that seems to be where you're focused a little bit more is the people that you're actually reaching to. A thousand percent. Um, okay. The, I described it the other day to another photographer who was asking about, it. they said something along the lines of like, um, uh, they asked a question about like, hey, what if you change your style throughout the year? Like you take a course or you learn a new trick or something like that and your style changes. And the way I described it to them was I said that I don't have to worry about that because people are not hiring me for my photos. And that sounds weird to say when you're a photographer. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, people are not hiring me for my photos. They're hiring mm. me because they're like, hey, I want to talk to this geeky guy. I want to <laughs> I want to walk out of my uh, ceremony and I want to be listening to the uh, outro to, I don't know, Inuyasha. And I want my photographer just randomly be like, hey, whose idea was that to play the outro to Inuyasha? You're like, oh, you knew that? Like that, don't, <laughs> th that's that's the things that I am providing for these folks. And yeah. uh, uh, um, they, appreciate it a lot that's why they hired me so well even even your domain name for anybody who didn't catch the reference a, a reference to star trek through your domain name and it's a super long domain name and yes. normally <laughs> i wouldn't go that direction as a business owner but at the same time what it does automatically is like the person that that recognizes that oh they're already in connection with this brand that you're trying to create which is focused toward geeks um, which is really interesting yeah i wouldn't recommend going with the long name <laughs> giving people your email address sucks giving people your instagram account sucks yeah. <laughs> but but besides that yes you are 100 percent right they know exactly what i'm all about within seconds before even seeing my site so that that's that's why i kept it yeah and that, that makes sense so before we get into kind of practical application for photographers listening in they're like okay i i get what gary is saying i want to figure out how to best hyper niche in my marketplace um, i do have one other question for you because i know that at least part of the apprehension for photographers in hyper niching is FOMO. They're, they're like, if I, if I really niche down, it's going to limit my business opportunity. What would your response be to them? Uh, it's two parts. One, that's why you spend a lot of time uh, brainstorming and uh, doing your research on it to see if it's even a lucrative enough uh, uh, niche to go down. Because I would hate for you to go down a niche and then you realize like, oh, this only five people, this fits like five people in my state. <laughs> so it's like, who am I even marketing to? Right. So that's, that's, that's uh, thing number one, which is why this is not a one or two week process. This mm -hmm. is like, take your sweet time figuring mm -hmm. this out. Um, no joke. When I was trying to figure out my niche, I was up, at, I was uh, between about three different niches. Uh, uh, I, I don't even care about sharing them now. One was interracial marriages. The one was um, geeky weddings. And then the third was actually literally even hyper niching down even further, like hyper hyper niching into specifically Harry Potter weddings. Um, and it was a toss up uh. between all three of them. Uh, but um, yeah, that's why I actually pulled back because I realized that, yeah, while the Harry Potter niche is actually surprisingly pretty big for, yeah. for weddings, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, no joke, this past year in 2022, I had, I think, four or five Harry Potter weddings. Wow. So um, uh, anyways, um. That's why I pulled it back to geeks because oh, it brought it up a bit. But anyways, right. FOMO. Um, uh, first off, um, you're going to stand out so much more. And uh, people say things like, oh, they have no luck on Facebook groups because when they post comments in them, they're competing against literally 100 of the photographers that comment on things within the first five minutes mm -hmm. of the post being up. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to have any FOMO when you actually stand out in those comments. <laughs> because yeah. like, because uh, I do those too. I, I still to this day comment on those posts. And the thing is that no joke, um, while some people say they get zero business from that or barely any business, I probably get a response one out of every five ones I comment on. Maybe even a little bit more or less is around that point. No joke. I, uh, I commented on... Uh, two, two days ago, and both folks filled out my contact sheet within about an hour, <laughs> me commenting. Wow. So, um, so that's what I'm saying. So you, you don't miss out on that. <laughs> You're getting a lot more opportunities in that situation. Um, 
uh, there's some work to be put into when you're commenting on people and stuff like that, so you're a little bit more successful. But um, for the most part, like I still just comment on random ones anyways, as long as it fits my budget and all this other stuff. But anyways, and the other thing is that you still get out of business in other places. Uh, I have, like, I, I had two corporate gigs last month that people reached out to me. One was because I was an engineer, and he was a geeky dude. <laughs> he connected with me, um, even though my entire website is nothing but weddings. I don't mm. show family photos, maternity photos, nothing, corporate photos. I don't show anything. It's just weddings. Still yeah. got contacted for two uh, corporate gigs last month um, and did them. Actually, I think I actually had four or five corporate leads last month, if I'm not mistaken, and I got two of them. Um, I still do family maternity shoots all the time. I just did a maternity shoot two weeks ago in the winter on a beach <laughs> in northeast <laughs> but um but yeah you still get leads for tons of other things and plus when you the best part about it is that you're getting clients that align with you and when it comes to referrals and everything like that you're getting referrals for other people that align with you in that geek for me geeky sense uh but for you it could be whatever niche you're going down so you're going to be getting clients and referrals to do other things with more people that align with you um the like for example the maternity shoot i just did two weeks ago that was a referral from a wedding i did two months ago and it was because the um, bridesmaid loved my business and loved uh, me at the wedding and stuff like that she's also a huge geek her husband's a huge geek as well and it was like oh yeah we wanted you to show our maternity shoot and Mm. had a ball doing it so you're not missing out you're you're not missing out on anything you're just missing out if anything you're missing out on opportunity (laughs) so uh you're getting screwed in that definitely but I, I want to go back to the point that you made earlier, which is, I think, is a super important one, maybe not even really considered enough in the industry, which is the importance of that research that you're talking about. And you've actually mentioned it more than once in our conversation now. I think it needs to be highlighted. There's less FOMO when you're aware that you're tapping into a readily available opportunity, right? So we're scared if we don't know what's going on, because at that point, we're, we're crossing our fingers and just hoping. But hoping is not a good strategy for running an effective business. We need to actually take the time to do the research so that we're aware of whether or not there's an opportunity, whether it's in our local market or if we need to broaden the marketplace, go to the state or the the region or even just the national market. Uh, But if we've done the research, we're aware of that information. And now it's just time to put in the work. Exactly. And um, there's there's a lot of ways you could research it, too. It's it's um, like, for example, when I was researching for my own business, while I was re- researching uh, geeky weddings and stuff like that, I looked up every single geek niche you could think of when it comes to weddings. I looked up uh, and these are here's the thing. These are the things that I was like, I literally wrote down my uh, ideal client and stuff like that. I wrote down mm-hmm. the kind of wedding that they're going to have. And I was like, OK, like my ki- ideal clients would have a Harry Potter wedding. They would have a Game of Thrones wedding. They would have a Lord of the Rings wedding. They'll have a. Um, to have an anime wedding and uh i named like uh, several other things and i was like hey you know what let me see what uh blogs have posted about these types of weddings and then i saw thousands <laughs> so it's like all right so clearly there's actually a market there because there's thousands of people having these sort of geeky weddings and they're mm. going all out um some are a lot more chill about it and they just have little tiny aspects and stuff like that there's guides i saw and everything um uh, and part of like doing research for this was also like um, uh, using websites like Hrefs and keyword finders and stuff like that, uh, 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 keywords anywhere, where it's like, okay, let me see like the SEO results of the game, what what paid, I mean, paid views in my estimating that they're getting. So like you can kind of get a general idea mm-hmm. of, okay, there's a good amount of market for this where I can start advertising for this. And here's the best part about it. The best part about it is that if you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, I'm in this random town in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And like the most people make here is like 20 grand and everyone's broken. There's no money in this town. The best part about niching down and being like super unique is that then you can look at the entire countrywide and be like, Oh, there's like five other people that do this. The same exact niche as me. Mm -hmm. I can travel. (laughs) So that's, that's where, that's where, that's where the fun part comes in. Yeah. You might struggle a little bit when you're getting started on a local sense because that's kind of like how you're going to get started, how you're going to get things done and stuff. But like then you could just be like, hey, I got my uh, I got my weddings. I got my uh, portfolio. I got my copy down. Everything's strong. People that like work with me, love me and everything. And then you can start expanding from there. Start going countrywide. So you mentioned in passing Ahrefs and keywords everywhere. Those are tools that we've found so much value in. Uh, with our businesses. So I can't recommend enough for everybody listening in. I'm really glad that you mentioned them. We'll, of course, link to those in the show notes at vocalpodcast.com. Amanda on YouTube says, you guys are hitting all my pain points. Thanks for all the great info. And thanks for chiming in, Amanda, and listening in. And 
Um, we're going to actually dig into even more practical information now. So Gary, I know that you shared with me ahead of time and quite a bit of detail as well, five kind of primary ideas behind this effort to hyper niche. I've got my notebook old school. I'm going to take notes. <laughs> Let's just jump right into them. Okay. Um, so, uh, so here's a uh, five, um, uh, key steps in order to go ahead and start, uh, starting from the beginning, we already touched on this earlier in the podcast, actually several times in this podcast, and it really boils down to starting your brainstorming. Now you might be like, okay, what is brainstorming? What, what is it? What, what are the things that entail for that? So, um, here's pretty much, uh, everything I kind of did in that first two to three months while I was doing my own brainstorming and stuff. And these like the five steps I did for it first, here's the thing that everyone says, everyone says this, no one does this and it bothers me and it's literally make your ideal client in your avatar mm. make a hyper specific person literally give them a name give them an age what they do for work what are their activities what do they do like to do for fun go as detailed as you possibly can with this person and not only that make um several couples uh, me personally when i was doing it myself i had three different couples um that I did it with uh i wish i had my notes down here to actually literally read off <laughs> what they were but uh just to like give you like a general idea of what i said it was something along the lines of like oh it was uh janet who's 30 years old and she's dating um uh, she's uh, engaged with michael who's 33 uh jen is a espn uh, graphic designer mm -hmm. while uh uh uh, uh, Michael, he is a, uh, he is also, a, a, a engineer at ESPN and that's actually how they met. They met uh, while working literally this is how detailed I'm getting. Okay. Uh, also even said, Michael has an Etsy shop where he, um, paints, uh, Warhammer miniatures on the side and, uh, Janet, she, her geeky little things that she's actually thinking about starting her own Etsy shop after seeing Michael's, uh, kind of like. Uh, grow and stuff what they do as a hobby is they like to go to renaissance uh renaissance uh, uh events um uh, whenever they're available uh they even go as far as to literally have several different outfits and they are full fully decked out in their outfits okay. um, their ideal wedding is going to be a game of thrones themed wedding uh and they're going to have it uh on a renaissance park if there's one available now that was a very quick uh version of one it was more detailed than that it was literally like two or three pages going over just this one couple, yeah. what they like, what they don't like, what their wedding is going to be and everything. I, and I bet your you, character development experience from gaming kind of played into that pretty well too, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. definitely, it, def it definitely did. It's it's one of those things where it's almost weird that I never really got into tabletop RPGs and uh, uh, D&D and stuff like that. Oh, did you but, not? Um, okay. No, I never. I, it, I, I tried. Okay. I, it's not for me which right. is weird cuz after the description I just did but <laughs> so, but um but I I couldn't I couldn't ever get into them. I don't I don't know why. It, it bothers me to this day. Um but yeah, you do all of those things, you make that avatar, you make it extremely detailed. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because every little thing that you do from this point on is going to go back to that character. And you're going to say, "Hey, when I write this copy, is Janet going to like that copy? When I'm writing this advertisement, is Janet going to like that advertisement?" When I am uh, picking this image, is this going to be an image that Michael's going to think is cool? Literally every single little thing you do on your website, everything is going to rely and go back to that. Um, this even goes into your research as well. Like, for example, if you're thinking like, hey, how can this even specifically even help with research? Uh, watch this. Uh, if I was to say, hey, um, what is something that Michael would like? Michael is the guy who likes Warhammer. He's into Renaissance paintings and stuff like that. Uh, what's something I could do? Okay, how about this? I, I'll Google right now Game of Thrones wedding. And I look up Game of Thrones wedding and I'll find something on like Offbeat Brides. On Offbeat Brides, guess what I'm going to find uh, in that article? I'm going to find a photographer. Guess what I'm going to do? Going to go to that photographer's website. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can even maybe find their review. <laughs> and then when I find their review, I'm going to say, okay, in that person's review that they wrote on detailed uh, uh, from that Renaissance themed wedding, Game of Thrones wedding, what were their pain points? What did this photographer do that was really cool that stood out that made them hire that person? Guess what? That's a problem that you can now solve and write down on your own website and copy and everything. And that's just how you do that research. And that's yep. why every one of those details matters because you're going to be keep referring back to those people that you made as avatars. And that's why every little detail is different. That was just touching on one little detail about um, Game of Thrones. There's a million other uh, pain points I could touch on and stuff. Oh, sorry. There's a phone going off but anyways um uh that's why there's like all these little things are important because all these little details is crucial and you're just going to be referring to every single one of them very constantly 
Um, so that was step one, number one, creating avatar. Build that uh, avatar of your, of your target client. Yep. Perfect. Um, and then uh, uh, step number two is uh, you want to investigate this person um, to see if it's even lucrative and see if there's uh, any money to be actually made. Now, this is not this is not saying like, oh, how much these pe money these people make or anything like that. This is just seeing if the, is there a market for it? Is people talk about this? Um, like, for example, I said earlier about tattoo uh, photography. Uh, you could look up and see like, hey, on Offbeat Brides, are there any tattoo themed weddings where like a big focus on the wedding was people wearing tattoos? Was there like a tattoo parlor on site at the wedding? Um, did these people uh, during their engagement session have photos at a tattoo parlor and they were getting a tattoo of each other? Like little things like that. Um, you want to look that up and see, hey, is there enough people talking about this specific niche with, without any photographers specializing in it or anything? that I feel like I can then specialize in it and make it my own thing and it'd be the person for that thing. Um, uh, there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. Like I said, look on blogs to see if that's, um, uh, if there's enough on them that pop up. You could look at, if you uh, use hrefs or um, uh, keywords everywhere to uh, look up Google searches and stuff like that, you can see if there's enough SEO results for those uh, sort of uh, questions and topics that pop up. Um, uh, that's another really good one. Uh, and there's other just ways where it's like, if you just see it casually on Facebook, if you're just in groups, or if you're on Instagram, you see anyone posting weddings about it and stuff like that. Or even if you just happen to see if there's another photographer that specializes in it, or if they kind of fit that market. Like, for example, with the tattoo one, we'll stick with that one for a while, for a little bit here. Um, if I saw another photographer who specializes in unique weddings, offbeat weddings that are not your typical traditional weddings that's someone who would probably have a lot of tattoo couples in it for example right um so that's just like one of those things where it's like do your due diligence look into it see how many things you could find of it how popular it is um and uh take it from there this is not research that you could do in a day <laughs> this takes a long time to uh, make sure it, it um it's lucrative enough before you go diving head, head first into it because i hate for you to redesign your website, redesign all your copy photos, do styled shoots to make, to get more uh, of a portfolio for it, to realize that, oh yeah, there's no one that does these weddings. So that's a uh, step number two. Um, and I have to just jump in and, and say again, Gary, th this is such a great conversation and the information you're saying so not only valuable, but practical, actionable, and this needs to be talked about way more in our industry. Because while I realize plenty of photographers are making it work for themselves, I can only imagine how much harder it is to run a business, how much more difficult it is to book clients when there isn't clarity in what it is that their brand is offering. If they're just a light and airy photographer, or they're just a wedding photographer, they're just a portrait photographer, and these very kind of generic, bland, vague position statements, if you could even call them that, it just, it inhibits us in being able to build our business more effectively and more efficiently. So I, I'm so glad that you're highlighting all of this stuff. This is really good. Even again, just the idea of research. I don't know how many photographers are actually taking the time to research a market opportunity before deciding on their business model. Again, this conversation needs to be had way more. So I, I really appreciate you bringing this. Yeah, no problem. I touchy, to even touch on that a little bit more, one thing that slightly bothers me about um, what you mentioned where it's like, oh, they're a bright and airy photographer. Um, I'm not harping on, I'm not making fun of bright and airy photographers, by the way. But, <laughs> sure. but just, as, just as an example, um, when the thing that bothers me the most is that when someone says like, oh, they start doing photography, they're a bright and airy photographer, and oh, snap, I am already booked up for 30 weddings in my first year doing this, and I'm charging like four or five grand for all my weddings, and I'm just like, all right, I, I got to be honest. Either there's something you're not saying where you had some sort of random connect or something, mm. or you just, which could potentially lead into the overall conversation of just luck. This is creating less luck and this is actually calculated. <laughs> this it's is intentional. Like, this is, yeah. Exactly. It's it, perfect. It's intentional. This is something yeah. where it's like if you do the right things and you put enough work into it, it's very hard to fail. It's like extremely hard to fail as long as you're doing your due diligence and stuff like that and you're, um, uh, uh, you're, and also this is a little sidetrack, but you're also actually passionate slightly about whatever it is. Like, I'm not right. saying like you have to absolutely love the thing. I don't love Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sitting there hating Harry Potter's in the background and be like, Oh, I gotta do another Harry Potter wedding. No, I, they're cool as hell. But, um, uh, but yeah, th that's also something that's important. But anyways, um, uh, so step we, three, we start with, yeah, was, yeah, we're going to go to step three. So number one was develop that ideal client avatar. 
Uh, number two is to verify the market opportunity or market viability of this idea. What's number three? So number three is create problems. Sounds weird, but <laughs> you're um you're creating problems for these people. You're you're writing down the kind of pain points that these people would have. Uh, just like Amanda was mentioning earlier, we're touching on her pain points. That's what you want to be doing for your clients. Uh, you want to be figuring out what are things that these people hate. Um, in a sense of my geeky couples, the things that they hate is they hate looking bad in photos. They hate being stiff in front of photos. They do not enjoy being in front of the camera. Um, also, they want to incorporate their hobbies into the photos. A lot of these couples are not going to have geeky props at their wedding but they want to have geeky photos still and they want to have some sort of uh, geeky references and everything to them at, at the same time those are all my pain points of my couple well not all there's a lot more um but you want to actually write down a ton of pain points for these folks um uh, for example going with the whole tattoo artist thing um you want to uh, pain point for them is that you want to they want to work with someone that's not going to judge them they want to work with someone who is going to actually highlight maybe some of their tattoos. You want right. They want to work with someone who's probably going to remember specific tattoos that they're going to want captured during the wedding. Um, they're probably going to want also they, – they, it even could get to the point where it's the reverse, where, hey, they want to work with someone who knows other vendors that could even help cover up some tattoos that might not be appropriate for their wedding. Mm. I literally was actually talking to a couple about this two days ago. I'm not even exaggerating this. Um, so um, that could be a potential thing where it's like – you could work in both ways and they want to uh you having all these understanding all these problems and all these pain points uh then makes you the professional because you know how to solve these problems which is problem uh, step number four is you actually then figure out how to solve the problems but i'm going a little bit back into actually the problem thing how do you figure out these problems <laughs> it could be a very easy question a lot of photographers have one it helps actually being a bit into whatever the niche is so uh, knowing it and being well-versed in it um, helps out a ton because then you could come up with things off the top of your head um, uh, that could be potential uh, ones. Uh, but to actually uh, go deep into it a little bit more, remember how I described before earlier while I was saying the uh, Game of Thrones example where you find a photographer, you find a couple, you find a review. Um, that literally is then finding pain points because you could look mm. at the review and all those topics and you could see the exact things that they touched upon That's and those great. are their pain points and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, figure out a problem. <laughs> and, so highlight uh, highlight their pain points, and then you said number four then is present the solution. It's it's really interesting. I was actually, um, it, and when I think about doing even presentations, in fact, podcasts, really everything is about problem solution, right? So so much I should yep. say, not everything, but so much is about presenting a problem, height, like really building that anxiety up around that problem, and then be like, hey, I've got the solution for you, and people can kind of sigh in relief, and now they're all ears, they're paying attention and you present the solution. Exactly, and also the other thing that people don't mention about problem and then solving the problem is that this also is a very, very key thing for storytelling. <laughs> for, like for example, um, super quick example. Uh, one thing I uh, do when couples talk to me, they get in a consultation call, stuff like that, is I have a million stories lined up for just about every sort of thing that attaches to my company. Uh, for example, if someone's like, uh, oh, what's uh, this thing about you backing up files? I have a story about backing up files. <laughs> so it's like, my story is literally saying like, oh, I used to do IT. Uh, my background, is, I used to do server backups. So I am hardcore into backing up files. When it comes to uh, most photographers, you'll probably run into them. They'll have backups in like three, four places. Won't be like a cloud service. Won't be on their hard drive. Won't be on a flash drive. And that's kind of it. Me, I have uh, two computers. They're each uh, each computer. I have a NAS that's attached to. I uh, I'm on two cloud services. Uh, it's also being backed up on a weekly basis, so I have I could go back to certain dates. I also have a hard drive that I back up and I put monthly into my car. I also have a NAS at my mom's place. Literally, like and then when people hear that, they're like, oh, dang, <laughs> he's like he's like real backups, and that's all. That's uh, presenting a problem. Hey, your files can get deleted. Mm. And then I'm solving it by being like, nah, that's not going to happen with me. And also I'm making it a fun, interesting story and everything like that. So that's where it goes into uh, problem solving. And it's just building a story at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, that's uh, very important to grabbing the attention of folks and also explaining things easily and also making it fun at the same time. I love it. You summed it up beautifully. Okay, so take us to number five. So number five, and this is a... Uh, uh, one that I think we actually touched upon at the very beginning of this call was um, you don't want to be cute with any of this. <laughs> um, you want to be straight to the point. Yeah. You don't want to say um, let's let's uh, let's use my geeky wedding thing. I don't want to sit there and say, oh, I am a uh, 
Uh, I am a, an extremely inquisitive photographer for um, uh, high IQ folks that love to uh, uh, spend their time uh, doing what they love in their hobbies. Like that, like I'm just rambling at this point, right? <laughs> Nothing sounds like instead I want to be like, no, I I'm geeks. These geeky people. Mm. We're doing geeky things. Want to do an anime photo? Okay, cool. Like, and you just want to keep it simple and sweet and straight to the point. Uh, what a lot of photographers do is that they try to, uh, they pretend like this is like their thesis in college or whatever, where they're trying to just fill up words and try to hit a word count and uh, try to use as many um, uh, clever uh, synonyms uh, that they possibly can to uh, say the same thing or say uh, and, and say like very basic things. Hopelessly uh, inspired by love for capturing the magical moments. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> for for <laughs> you, memories you to could, laugh to li last a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could throw a rock out of my window and hit five <laughs> photographers that have that on their website. I wish yeah. I was exaggerating. But um, yeah. but exactly. You it, Instead of just saying, like, <laughs> you'd be surprised at how much better it would just sound if you said, I, can you swear on this? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I don't yeah, recall. Of course. I, I Go to sound. Uh, like if you could just be like, you'd be way better off if you just said something as simple and straight to the point as saying like, hey, we're going to take badass photos. It's not the most clever thing in the world. It's not the most cute thing in the world. But how many people have that on their website? You're not going to run into a lot. How many people are going to read that and just be like, oh, that sounds cool. That's right up my alley. Or a lot of people. How many people are going to read that and just understand immediately what that entails when you say, oh, badass weddings? Uh, badass photos oh i'm gonna be like oh man so you're saying i could probably get my motorcycle out like they're like that'll get their brain uh rolling in that instead of sure. being like oh lovely captured moments and that's like sounds typical <laughs> sounds traditional and stuff like that so um you don't want to be cute you don't want to beat around the bush you don't want to sound wordy you don't want to make things complicated or anything like that you want to just get straight to the point say it as it is um and uh uh there there's time and a place to you say things cute and use different words and stuff like that but um uh you don't want to harp on it. you don't want to focus on it too much you don't want to be you want to be a compliment for example the biggest word i'll use in my copy is quirky and i don't hmm. think that's i don't think that's like the biggest word in the world <laughs> but uh, it is the biggest word i'm going to use in my copy for example uh, but people that know the word quirky i get actually the funny thing is when people write reviews they say oh we were a quirky couple i have several reviews that say that so um it's one of those things where um uh it helps a lot to not be complicated well yeah i mean practical language you mentioned seo a little bit in passing as well it not using or using impractical language, using these cute, fluffy words isn't helping us with SEO either. Um, yep, little, little side note and actually a pretty significant side note. We won't we won't park there, but that's I, I we have to highlight that because if you're using these cute, pretty, fluffy words, but they have little to actually to, to do actually with the craft that it is or the service it is that you're offering, then you're not help. It's not helping you stand out online. The other thing too, I, and I would, going back to the to the idea of using badass, I would even push back and say badass is a, a little general in nature. Like if, if you're gonna, you talked about somebody who like rides motorcycles, why not why not call them out as your target market? I mean, think about the yeah. mass of motorcycle riders, myself included, by the way. But even and even in motorcycle like this so called niche of motorcycle riders, you could break those down further into those guys that ride on track, those guys that ride Harleys, those guys yep. that are dirt bike riders. Uh, or I should say guys and girls both. And and so you could actually speak specifically to those sub-segments of the marketplace and develop a whole business model around speaking specifically to them. So, you know, Chattanooga's wedding photographer for Harley riders or something to that effect, but you're actually getting really, really specific at that point. But it also, it does a great thing. When we, when we talk about the specificity, the, the flip side of the conversation is while it certainly draws in the appropriate clients, it naturally immediately filters out the irrelevant clients. So you get to focus your time and efforts on those that you actually want to serve. Yeah, it actually on that topic, um, I've only been niched down like this for this is going to be my second year. Technically, since my site has been up, I think it's been about 18 months or something like that or 19 months um, for my situation right now. Like I said, only about 18 to 24 months into this. I'm at the point now where I would classify 80% of my clients I would classify as geeky and no joke. I wish I was exaggerating. I would say about 90% of my leads are literally geeks and they literally like I, I have a section on my contact form and it says, what's your geeky hobby? And then they go crazy in that section. They write about 
they write more in that than their story about that's them perfect so, but um but yeah exactly so you want to be extremely specific with it and um uh you want to nail it in the head so that people get it and they understand it and it gets straight to the point no beating around a bush or anything like that you, you nailed it perfectly well, man, I, I seriously, Gary, I can't thank you enough for making time to, to do the show today because this, you know, we can talk about a lot of different things in the photography industry, but a lot of them are spoken about a lot <laughs> at conferences, <laughs> workshops, podcasts, you know, whether it's we're talking about lighting um, or we're talking about editing style or some of these other things that if, if we take a step back and realize objectively have little to do at the end of the day with you know, 90%, 95% even of the clients that we're going to draw in. What those potential clients are going to resonate more with is specificity um, that speaks to their needs and their desires in a very practical manner. And you're, again, just an incredible representation of that, an example of that. And this information, this advice that you're sharing, I mean, I'm literally taking notes here on my notebook. <laughs> it's just super actionable and practical. So I hope everybody listening and watching won't just listen to this episode and say, oh, that was nice, and then move on. Take this stuff to heart and then start working on it. And to that point, Gary, I mean, it's a loaded topic. You know, we've touched, we've mentioned SEO in passing. Um, we talked about the significance of research and, you know, just the few minutes that we've had here can't fully cover what that looks like. Are, are you offering any kind of education to photographers in this realm or can they just reach out to you, DM you and ask you questions about this kind of thing? Um, yeah. So um, I'm actually getting started doing it like here and there. It's uh, I'm like getting right at the tail end of my wedding season uh, from 2022, like finishing editing and stuff like that. If people want to reach out to me, um, you're more than welcome to shoot me a message. I'm on Facebook all the time. Gary Pope Jr. Um, you pro I wouldn't be shocked if you see me in a bunch of Facebook groups. I literally am almost messaging in them too much nowadays. <laughs> but, um, but um, also on top of that, you can check out my company, Love Long and Prosper Photography. You can message me through there. Um, also, uh, I know within the next ideally two to three weeks, if I'm actually doing a good job, you can reach out to me on YouTube as well. It'll be Gary Pope Jr. Uh, there's already board game videos like Nathan mentioned earlier, but um, there'll be actually photography related videos up there. Well, this is great. And I appreciate it. Of course, we'll link to all of this in the show notes uh, at bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, make sure you go take advantage of those resources. The talking points from today, the resources have been mentioned, the links, we'll put all of that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Thanks, Gary. Uh, truly, this has been super helpful, practical information. Really appreciate you giving your time to all of us. No, thank you, Nathan. It was fantastic being on the show with you. It was a, a ball blast. Uh, now I got to run off and do this bridal show. <laughs> all right. Everybody have an absolutely incredible weekend. We'll talk to you soon.